If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's America. The Blubbity Blah. The Blubbity Blah. Sending out good vibes. Yusuf or Ben, like they know if you walk out into this area where there's probably, you know, no no tourists are going over there, but they know that there's an object over there that shows you yeah. these kinds of things. And so Yusuf led us over and showed us a place where there's uh, an old kingdom structure, a small one. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grimeric Show. We are going to be chatting with the Snake Bros, Russ and Kyle, a little bit later. About their uh, much-anticipated trip to Egypt. They just came back. Of course, also doing some uh, some scouting for our trip to Egypt next year, which is now definitively scheduled for November 12th to 26th. Uh, still working on that itinerary, but all that stuff will be out this year. Tickets should be on sale this year. We'll be taking deposits this year. So all great stuff. Fantastic. Nice. And it's a fun chat. They had a blast over there. They sort of fill us in on it all, and it's a good one. Yeah, and the interesting part about it, from from a perspective of ancient mysteries, is they're focusing on, you know, advanced civilization evidence, not just the dynastic period. So that's what I, – I don't know why I didn't really catch that before, talking to Ben and all that, that he's really – that tour is really focused on, like, mysterious stuff you know they're that they're that they don't have answers for and that isn't part of the mainstream narrative <laughs> yeah it looks super fun i can't wait to but i guess we're like I, we can almost be on the count i was like going through next year it's busy oh yeah i know and i gotta go to washington in uh january january so it's like january february april may june september November. That's fun. Yeah. Oh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we're allowed out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> my mom, my mom sent me a picture from a store in BC of the empty shelves. So I mean, we should probably send our good vibes out to everybody in British Columbia who's affected by this perfect storm of natural disasters, floods, and yeah, you can't eat uh, the good vibes, but. Maybe you can meditate on them, and it'll help you, like, feel less. We're thinking about you. I mean, that's going to be rough when uh, if you can't buy food. Is that in Vancouver? Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe New Westminster or something like that, or in, in the lower mainland. Could you anyways, leave I mean, Vancouver if you wanted right now? What, what's that? Could you leave Vancouver if you wanted yet without For, going through the States? I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But at one point there, all the roads were shut down, I guess. That was last week. But but the guy in the grocery store told my mom it'll be back to normal in about five days. So I guess they're keeping a close eye on it. Or they've been given answers. But it shows you how close you are. Like, you know, it's a few days and then the shelves are empty, right? It doesn't take long. So, Oh, yeah, just from some rain. I mean, really, at the end of the day, that's what causing 
all of those problems is it rains too much and the rivers swell up and it just destroys all of the bridges. It's a real shame. I mean, yeah. the pictures of the stuff I was looking at wasn't going to be fixed in a couple of days. There's like the Coquihalla is going to be a rough shape for months. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see what we'll see has start to happen here. Of course, Vancouver yeah. is the biggest port in in Canada. Canada yeah. yeah. So hopefully it doesn't uh, affect our Amazon stuff. Oh, Bigger man. Bigger than Montreal too, eh? Yes. Huh. Biggest in Canada yet. Bigger than Toronto and Montreal. Montreal gets that ocean shit, but it don't get the shit from China, bro. Yeah, right. Everything comes from China. Anyway. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Uh, nothing. Just how it's probably changed, you know? It's probably grown quite a bit in the last 20 years on the West Coast here because of that. How long have you been out here now? Uh, since 77. What? Not like from Quebec. Oh, what did you mean? From Vancouver. Oh, uh, 2011 was when I came out. So 12, 11 years. 12, what is that? 12, 10, what? 10 years. How come your French ain't better? Because I gave up. I hated it in school. Bonjour, bonjour. Comment we had the siesta. We had the, the French siesta. We had the siesta class. We were hanging out in the back of the room causing trouble. So a bien. A bunch of us, yeah. Real shame, Dunlop. You could have been... Even though uh, we had cute French teachers, but I still didn't want to learn the language. You could have been uh, Duolingo, you know? Yep. I'd pick it up pretty quick. I mean, I can I can read a lot of it, and, you know, I, can, I it's almost there. I can speak some of it, probably. Think? Yeah. Let's hear. Give us a little taste of your French. No? Pardon moi? <laughs> Come on. Everyone knows that. No, I'm not doing it. Bonjour, bonjour. Comment ça va? Yeah. Ça va bien? Yeah. I like comme si, comme ça. Comme si, comme ça? Yeah. That's your jam? Yeah. You know what it means? Meh. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you got for us, Dunlop? I don't know. You want to talk about my, my what's going on with me lately and the... <sighs> Kitty cat and all that. What, what, okay, I got a, I got the perfect jingle for that. Oh no! Actually, maybe that's not fair because the cat's okay. But I mean, well, it's not okay. It's got like it's not out of the woods yet. It's not out of the woods yet. No, I mean, I'm gonna hear back, I guess, from the vet on the new levels. I mean, oh, dude, that's crazy. It's got like pancreatitis, I guess, and liver problems. And I, I get, I just heard that cats, if they don't eat for three days, their liver starts to, to deteriorate or to go under right then. Like it doesn't take much for cats without eating that they have, they have these liver issues, I guess. What? So, yeah. So I don't know. We're trying, we're tube feeding it. We have a, it's a tube in the, into the esophagus and we're tube feeding it uh, four times a day. And it's eat it's eaten a couple times and it jumped up on the headboard today and it's meow and like it's it's uh you know it's coming back a little bit, but the numbers are kind of gone up and then they came down a bit and then plateaued. So I'm gonna hear from the vet again, but it's tons of meds. Honestly, dude, I wish I would have had the chance to check out like a natural, but I wish I would have 
taken in an earlier and went to a naturopath or something and see how they handle it. Cause this is just strictly like, this is like Western medicine. Like here's your levels. These are all the meds you need. Boom, 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 boom. Like, well, I don't know what kind of like side effects these things are on. I've got 17, 18 now, 18 different injections, injections, I guess, into a syringe injections. Into the little mouth into the, hole? Into the tube, into the tube that yeah. goes into her esophagus per day. So, like, needs to be fed every six hours. Like, it's crazy. And you played thousands of dollars for the pleasure well, to I mean, do you, this. What? For what? You paid thousands of dollars for the pleasure to do this? Yeah, you have to, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's an, it was an emergency vet, 24-hour vet, right? So, I wish I would have, like, it would be interesting to see how a naturopathic vet would have take, taken it. But it's a special cat. I mean, did I tell you the story about that, gave about you a this? Shovel. Did I tell you a story about the cat? Because it happened at contact at the cabin when this all went down, right? When this kind of contact at the cabin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's hear your. Uh, let's hear your tale of your whimsical I mean, tale. I've got, I've got Maria's approval to talk about this. Have you? I don't think I've talked about it on the show, but but Maria spends like almost half her time in Saskatchewan, right? Pretty much for the last few years. Um, and she's kind of alone out there, but she's with her, you know, with her son and, and her ex-husband who's got MS pretty bad. And uh, so she visits her son and his girlfriend and her mom and dad are out there that aren't doing very well. They're, they're kind of in, they were in a home for a while with their house, but they're back at their house now. And, and so she visits her family when she's back there, but she's got a friend there and they share this cat boo. And they stay. So when she's out there, she has the cat. And when she comes back here, she, he has the cat. Right. And he's been great. He helps him out with all kinds of plumbing and stuff. He drives from the city to help them with all kinds of stuff. And she, uh, actually he picked her up from here. When I left for contact of the cabin for, with, uh, the Scablands, he picked her up and drove her all the way back to Saskatchewan. Like that's the kind of guy he is right. He drove all the way out here to get her. And in his new car or something, I think he was testing a new car or he had a, a new car. So he was like, I'll, I'll, I'll make it out there. So we came all the way out here to get her, picked her and the three cats up, drove back to, I think, was it? Yeah. Did, did he pick the, yeah, he did. Right. Do you remember that? So he picked all the cats up and Maria drove her back to Saskatchewan. Then that week, his work says, you don't look that good. You should go home and get, go get a test. So here Maria is thinking, you know, geez, does he have COVID? Do I have COVID? I was driving with him for all day long, like for this is while you have COVID. Yeah. Is this while you have COVID? Are we still in Washington now? Are we back? This is while I have COVID. I mean, I kind of knew at the time that there's a chance I'm going to have COVID. So, of course, I didn't want to tell her that at the time, but she, uh, so she calls me down we talked while we were down at contact at the cabin in, in soap lake and she says well james hasn't hasn't answered my text and i'm worried about him he had to go home and get a test and i haven't heard from him since and this is not like him at all and i said well, why don't you get somebody to go check on him you know because he had he's gone through all kinds of cancer scares and everything so uh I said, why don't you send your son to go check on him? And so anyway, she ends up going to check on him because she wasn't feeling good at the time and her son wasn't feeling good at the time. So they're worried about COVID and all. But anyway, she goes over to check 
she's knocking on the door. There's no answer. But before that, she's like, I know something is wrong with this guy. Like I can, I know it, even though it was just, who knows? It could be anything if he, if he's not texting. Right. I mean, most people wouldn't come to that conclusion right away, but she intuitively knew something was wrong. So she, no, nothing happened. So she calls the cops and asks for a wellness check. And in the meantime, she goes to her parents and writes out a note because she, she just didn't think anything was going to happen. She thought she'd have to leave a note or something for him. So the cops come to the house and she, she goes back to that house and they're banging on the door, James, James. And the guy upstairs who happens to be his son answers the door. And Maria's like, Where, where's your dad? Where's your dad? And he's like, he's downstairs in his room. No big deal. And she goes, go down there and check on him right away. Like break break down the door the door was locked so the cops go down there and she's like they're knocking on the door there's no answer she's like break down the door because she knew something was wrong right and they break down the door and he's lying on his bed dead passed away and she's like i knew he was dead like because she was telling me that like he's i have a feeling he's he's dead so the cops didn't want her in there, but she went in there and tried to wake him up and like, he wouldn't, he was, he was toast. So that's, that's kind of like, you know, the, the, the story, it's just, it was obviously sad and everything. And, and the cat now is hers altogether. So there's a special connection to the, to the cat. Um, but yeah, she's been through a lot of, a lot of rough times. That's the second friend of hers that she's found, the first one committed suicide um, that she found in their house that she knew was some, there was something wrong. The second time that's happened to her now. Damn. So they, don't, they don't know what it was. Like it was, and I was like, well, did like, they still don't know. Yeah. They, I don't, I don't know. No the, I think they nothing? said it was his heart. So I think he might've had heart issues or something. So. Well, that's a real damn shame. You know, you never want to hear that. You know, shout out to Maria. We hope you get through it. Does she still listen yeah. to the show? And the cat, what's that? She don't listen anymore, does she? Uh, not really. Sometimes. Well, she, she's just funny. She just asked me tonight about listening, listening again. But the main thing is, I mean, this this is why the cat's so special, right? It's got some sentimental value, and and it's a super cool cat. But I think the cat was affected by this. Comes over to our place. Three other cats here. Somehow I'm turning into a cat man. Um, He's the cat man. You know, so, we're, so we thought, you know what? We got to try and keep this thing, thing alive. So um, thing. we're doing it. So I'm this, feeding it all day, every thing. day. Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. So, but here's I mean, they some... can't. They can't tell you. So here's the frustrating part: is they just do all this, all this scientific measuring. Of course, what's your liver values? Your Billy Rubin's up and all this stuff, right? What's this all is this on the cat? What's all these? This on the cat? What's right? a Billy Rubin? It's it's your one of the the markers for liver problems, right? It's she's got the fatty liver disease thing now and and pancreatitis because she hadn't ate. So I'm like, well, why wasn't she eating then? I mean, it, is it stress? Did they cause this from themselves? Like she moved into this new house. She lost weight right away, but we thought it was just because stress and she's not eating as much, but they can't tell you that. So there, it's like, there's no holistic look at this, right? It's like, hey, let's take care of the emergency, which is the liver. Let's fix that. And then I guess they go on from there. Meds, 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 maybe long-term meds. Like, well, why isn't she eating? Is it because of her pancreas or does that cause because of her no eating? 
Cause then I find out later from a friend at a meditation class, he's like, well, yeah, after three days, their liver starts to go already. Cats aren't designed very well to not eat like that, which is the first I've ever heard that kind of thing. That's the first I ever heard of that too. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense. So did she just stress herself out and not eat? Cause her, one of her, you know, James died and then she comes over here with all these other cats and there's a, you know, it's an adjustment here. Then she stresses herself out and causes her own pancreatitis well, and liver disease. For? Was, like, was the cat locked up down there for a couple of days without food too? No, she happened to be at Maria's at the same time. So Any chance at that, at that been, time. Uh, yeah. Had a bad diet? Getting fed no. people food or anything like that? Yeah, some people food. Yeah. Lots of people food. <laughs> Maybe it's the people the food. I don't know. I feel that. fortunate my other cats don't eat people food, really. Like, the Zeus could care less about what I'm eating. But my old cat, my other cats back in the 90s and the 2000s, man, they loved it. My guy would grab a bag of marshmallows and be snacking it as he walked with the bag outside the closet. I mean, he was just all over the people food. My cat will steal bacon if I leave it out. But they won't. That's, like, only if I leave it out and, like, leave the house. I'll come yeah. home, they'll be like, bacon's gone off the counter. And I'm like, ah, fuck, I left the bacon out. But now that makes sense on your on your little thing about cats and dogs, right? The cats will eat you because after oh, three yeah, days, they're like, you know, yeah. they're like, after three days, I don't they're getting eat. hungry. They're oh, like, yeah, okay, they're like, this, guy, this guy's looking it's mighty him or fine. Me. It's him or me. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's some good vibes to Maria and the cat, hoping it pulls through. Uh, I'm sorry that it's chewing through your savings. America.ca slash support if people want to uh, make a one-time donation, help out with the cat fund. I mean, it's crazy. These vets get fucking carried away fast, and the next thing you know, you're broke. If Maria supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> that fucking Cocker Spaniel cost me a pretty penny. <laughs> fucking eye disease and this other fucking shit. It's hard to let it go. It's hard to know because you have a chance to save it, right? So you've figured out what's wrong with it, and you have a chance to save it, so you got to keep kind of... Now it's allergic to meat, I think, so it's on this crazy food that costs a fortune. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Bullets are cheap, too, though, sometimes. Sometimes it's just like... Then it's time for them to move on, and uh, their soul is time to evolve into a, a new creature, a butterfly, something. But hopefully not yet. Anyway, let's cut this jingle off here, and I'm going to jump into... Oh, uh, you know, I had it all queued up, too. Here we go. Get out a pen and paper and write this down. Or a pencil. Why don't you send some physical mail to the Grimerica Show at P.O. Box 16033. Next line. Uh-huh. 100-815, comma, 17th Avenue, SW. Next line. Uh-huh. Calgary, Alberta. Next line. Uh-huh. Canada. Next line. Uh-huh. T2T, space, 5H7. That's the P.O. Box. So, shout out to Brando down in Washington. Supposed to be sending me some of his uh, company swag. Um, so, clearly he's given my... I gave him my home address. Told him not to share with anyone. And he shared it with someone. Um, I got a book in the mail today on my way home. Imagine my surprise. Canada's Holy Grail. Lord Stanley's Political Motivation 
to donate the Stanley Cup. You ever hear of this? Weird. No. Yeah, it's by... Uh, there, I'll read the quick blurb in the beginning. In 1892, Lo- Lord Frederick Arthur Stanley donated the Dominion Hockey Challenge Cup, later known as the Stanley Cup, to crown the first Canadian hockey champions. Canada's Holy Grail documents Lord Stanley's personal politics, his desire to affect Canadian nationality and unity, and the larger transformations in Anglo-liberal political thought of the time. This book posits that the Stanley Cup fit directly within Anglo-American traditions of using sport to promote ideas of the national, and the donation of the cup occurred at a moment in history when Canadian nationalists needed identifying symbols— Jordan B. Goldstein asserts that only with a trans only with a transformation in Anglo-liberal thought could the state legitimately act through culture to affect nat- national identity. Drawing on primary so primary source documentation from Lord Stanley's archives as well as statements by politicians and hockey enthusiasts, Canada's Holy Grail integrates political thought into the realm of sport history through the discussion of a championship trophy that still stands as one of the most well-known and recognized Canadian national symbols. Jordan P. Goldstein is a professor in the Department of Kinesiology at Wilfrid Laurier University. Yeah, I used to party at a bar just down the street from there, Loose Change Louis, back in the day when I lived in Guelph. Wow. Uh, Darren, my bro, Brandon L., told me that you would enjoy this book. I hope you enjoy this new historical examination of our country's most famous national symbol. I hope you like it. Jordan Goldstein from the University of Toronto Press. I might let one of them publish Oh, so it's a new book. book? It just come out. Yeah, it might, oh, wow. I think it, well, did it say it just come out? Didn't it say in here somewhere? Must say somewhere. It uh, looks like 2021, this year. So I'm going to give this one to you to read. (laughs) We should have them on the show. Brandon, you better throw some dirty socks in that package, you motherfucker. Just kidding. I love you, buddy. All right. What else you got? Uh, Did you want to thank somebody else? Oh, yeah. The lion. The lion in Colorado. I'll leave it at that. (laughs) I mean, I'm telling you, we got... T-Bone and Melt, these guys talk a big game, growing all their weed. Never, ever send me any. Actually, that's not true. I think Melt sent me a little bit once. T-Bone never. He just sends me pictures all the time. He's like, it's too hard. It's too hard. So Mac had sent me two ounces before. Now, the lion in Colorado has just upped that and managed to get uh, three ounces of Primo Bud. through. It looks like the Canadian uh, borders opened it looked in there and repackaged it and still allowed it to come on its way. <laughs> um, and it said on the thing that it was a, so it's this weird lock-in combination satchel. It's like a little zipper satchel that goes together in the middle and this little lock goes through it. And then you need the combo. And uh, it said on the customs declaration that it was a satchel prototype. So he had flattened out the weed and vacuum packed it a couple times all flat. So I was in the satchel. And I mean, I got to say, I, it took me, like, I remember I text you and I was like, hey, did any, I still haven't heard from anyone on how to get into this fucking satchel. Luckily, I was able to get into it at a red light. Um, just bad design. It was really bad design. I mean, it's a zipper. You're not going to keep, keep me out. Unless, 
The one thing that does work is if you get the two zippers. Oh, I thought you would have. I thought you, the way you told me about it, it's like you figured out the combo. Like, no, you, no, you, no. You mastered the puzzle no, and figured no. out the well, combo. I, I just it was like, like 420. Or I something. just kept, I, oh, fuck. That's a good you should have tried it. I should have tried 420. <laughs> <laughs> I that's think exactly I tried like, I think I tried zero 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 and one two three. <laughs> ah, I tried four twenty. I still have the satchel, so but I kept it's got it. a broken zipper now. No, 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 no. I was able to just like keep rolling the thing in on itself, and it just like the zipper just came out in this weird way. That was enough for me to pop the weed out. And but if you had like a book in there, you wouldn't have got it out. The weed was very sort of malleable in a sense. Right, uh, right, okay. Three ounces. Okay. That's a standard record of uh, weed sent internationally. I have got more than that non-internationally, but internationally, three ounces, T-bone melt, see where your game's at. I mean, <laughs> anyway, huge th- shout out to the Lion in Colorado. I think that's it, right? Was there another shout out? No, I think we did all the mail shout outs now. Well, we did. I got to check the mail get, again. Okay, we did get some stuff. Let's talk about this because it was from a Grime America Outlawed episode. And it was um, Derek and Julissa from Mystical Wares. We had a great conversation with them, a two hour app on Grime America Outlawed. And they're the biggest distributor of Shungite in the world. So they sent us some Shungite and they sent us a book about. Um, the power and the energy of Shungite. And he's also into um, Buckminster Fuller. We talk about healing with a, like a soccer ball shaped, like a C60 carbon uh, sort of molecule shape thing, healing inside that. So we talked about energy healing and all kinds of stuff like that. And he sent us some, uh, I got a neck, a little necklace uh, pendant and a bracelet made of Shungite. So big shout out to them too. That was from our other show. Buckyball. Yep. I fucking hate yep. you ever know. Anywho. So what about this review, this bad review? Do you want to talk about that? Did we get another bad review? I, I thought we were all good reviews sent, this week. You sent me one. I sent you good reviews today. We got all but five stars. I know, stars but I wanted week. to talk about the bad one because it's pretty funny. All right. You can read the you can read review, review guy. I don't know where it was... Uh, where it was from, but there's something about us. Uh, somebody was upset because we're not uh, fighting uh, against the, the medical tyranny. The medical That's tyranny. That's the uh, I, reviews on the iTunes. Uh, oh, is yeah, it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, another one. do you want to address that? I think or? it was a two star. So maybe that maybe we should just point them to Grand America a lot because we do. We've had a lot of do, you know we've had doctors and scientists and people pushing back against. Well, this I mean, whole here's thing the thing. There. They must not listen to the intros, I guess. Yeah, that's what I was wondering too. Because we so they're not going to hear I this. Got, they're not going to hear e- this. <laughs> I got emails. I got emails from people. They're not going to hear about, this. about this that we read on the show. I mean, I don't know what else we can really do besides maybe taking it to the street. But I don't really think that's the answer right now either. And, and we're not participating in things. So, but I mean, I'd be. I'd love to know, like, really, like what he would do in our instance to fight. It'd be interesting to know. I had a COVID test today. I finally found the place that gives you the result that doesn't have one of those stupid stickers on it. So now I could digitize it and make my own. Sell them to my friends. That's not fighting back there. I didn't say it was. <laughs> I didn't but say I mean, it was. Yeah. But sometimes yeah. I got shit to do. My project operation was about this. Your WAPO? 
was? If you want to go over it. it, Well, it is, yeah. Well, it was is past tense, so I thought maybe I'd like put it out to pasture. But maybe I shouldn't because we don't want to fight this fight, so maybe we shouldn't talk about it. We don't want to fight the fight? Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Good one. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe you fell for that. Uh, I can't find it. The oppo's over. It's from the Tom Woods email. I'm on his, I got his, I'm on his uh, newsletter subscription because he's got really good emails. I mean, they're all original written and he talk, and he's fighting back big time. I mean, about this. he's doing a great job. Tom Woods, a bunch Woods. of good guests coming on, kind of a libertarian guy. Um, so do you want me to start or did you find the jingle? What, what, what's that noise? It looks military to me. Definitely military. Probably classified too. Dishfire, Prism, Sentry Eagle, Sigma, Mannerkin, Artichoke, MK Ultra. Operation Project. Project Operation. Again, big caveat, because Tom is referencing a an a mainstream article about this one. So I don't I don't know if, if this is uh just misinformation or disinformation from the Basically, the Daily Mail, who's who's got this article out, but now other people are picking up on it. But it's called uh, Operation Rampdown. Have you heard about it? Rampdown? Yeah. No, I know. No. So it's supposedly uh, leaked. Uh, the Daily Mail got a hold of leaked documents describing an Operation Rampdown, whereby the UK government will walk back its COVID response early in the new year. So among the provisions, it would axe the legal requirement for those who catch the virus to self-isolate for 10 days, shut down the national test and trace system, which identifies those who may be exposed to the virus, focus the fight against COVID on tackling local outbreaks and protecting the highest risk settings, such as care homes. So there's some quotes here, like one document says, we will no longer be prioritizing the previous objectives of breaking chains of transmission at all costs. So, so this guy, Robert Dingwall of Nottingham Trent University, former government advisor, says, I very much welcome the fact that people are planning for the end of the emergency and the restoration of everyday life. Treating COVID like any other respiratory infection should encourage people to dial down the fear and anxiety that have bedeviled the country over the past couple of years. So, I mean, I honestly don't know what you think uh, about that. It's it smacks of, I you know the problem is I'm just fucking distrusting everything these days. It just I just don't trust it. I mean, you're cynical. I'm cynical of of all this stuff. Not personal friends and people and our listeners and guests and all that, but just of just online stuff. You know, life. <laughs> life. Did you say? Yeah. So little, like a little bit. So there's another one. So the Guardian picked up on it and said UK officials have compiled COVID exit strategy from April report. And then it says they've been, you know, officials have been working on a COVID exit strategy. Um, there's then a lot of it's repetitive from what I already read. It says the documents were prepared by the UK Health Security Agency, the UCASA. And they give ministers the option of dismantling the official government back testing system and tracing operations. So 
I don't know. Number 10 sources distance ministers from the document on Sunday and denied the April target. No ministers have asked for this or seen it, one source says. So they're already, you know, the problem is they throw out a headline like this and claim there's from some leaked documents. You can't plan so far ahead with this disease. It's very premature to be talking about that at this stage, particularly ahead of winter. And then you've got at the bottom of this, you've got a Neil Ferguson uh Guess guess what his prediction is? COVID forever. No, quite the opposite. Which COVID's over. An epidemiologist at Imperial College London, and we all know who this is with the bogus fucking models from the beginning of this whole fiasco. He thought, I thought it he got fired. That, oh no, he got promoted. Probably uh, he got caught like sneaking around and the, breaking. Oh the, no, fuck! That was just part. Yeah, who cares? That was just part of the what? Part of the what? Uh, no, nothing. Okay. <laughs> Just no, no pushback. <laughs> he said this weekend that he thought it unlikely that there would be a catastrophic winter wave similar to last year's, which led to months of lockdown. So that's kind of where I'm at too. You know, so, oh, it, oh, oh. so what does that tell me? The opposite's going to happen. Oh, Cause he's just predicting he's wrong on all his predictions. Could be. I purpose? think Ontario said on that they plan to be out of everything by March. We'll see. I mean, they haven't had their fourth wave yet. The UK has had the fourth wave, but the rest of Europe hasn't. No, they're all going through it right now. I mean, this is, you know, Austria's locking down. There's been protests all over the We're place. We're done our fourth wave, it seems like. Yeah, it is kind of weird, eh? It just kind of dwindled out. Maybe now, it is like a real wave. Is it like a real or? wave going around? <sighs> no, but it shouldn't it last to January or like, isn't it a well, winter Well, the thing, thing is, I think like or? everyone's got a hat. Most people must have had COVID by now. There's some websites popping up in, uh, in I think it's in, is it Europe or the Netherlands or somewhere where they're saying there's a G, have you heard of the G2? So it's the green pass too. So if, like you and I would, would be fine because we've had it. So we show them that we've had it and we have some natural immunity. So we get the G2, right? That like a super pass? So Is that well, better than the, a regular non, G? Or? Well, it's the non-jab pass, right? It's like, hey, we've, we've had it. So now people are putting up websites offering people to give them, give them the, the sickness. Son of a like, bitch. Like I knew I should have like right? blown you know, up like, some. I was going to blow up a bunch of balloons and just save them. Oh, that, so here's a COVID balloon. And if you want to just. I wonder how long it lasts. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. I uh, I I think that's kind. Of, I mean, it looks like we're whatever fourth wave we had. It was pretty bad for a while. If the numbers were real, they it's like they say like three hundred fifty people in ICU a couple months ago, and now it's like I think eighty seven or something. So yeah, and whether it comes back in January or not, who knows? But I mean, who that, knows? that. But I that feel project- like everyone must have had it by now, including a bunch of vaccinated people who didn't realize they had it and. It reminds me, though, the Operation Rampdown of what we were promised from our Alberta government. Remember? And I said, they're not, they're going to not fall. Well, Kenny with didn't that. check it was probably the, the date. That, of fucking, September. that dummy didn't check the date on the memo. It's supposed to be 2022. Exactly. It's like, oh, we're late on the Operation Rampdown. <laughs> He's like, we're out of here. They're like, no, you fucking idiot. That's next year. I don't know. Kenny is a, he's a real piece of work. Anyway, I didn't. I don't, I don't trust any of these guys. All the uh, 
it's it's weird. Out out everywhere I go now, other than the, you know, obviously the restaurant thing. But uh, and I found out you can go to the Strathmore movie theater. They'll let you. Oh, in cool. There. Yeah, they went with one third capacity instead of. Um, wow, that's passports. yeah, that's positive. Which news. which I think a bunch of the Calgary ones tried to do too, and then the city passed a bylaw and said no, 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 no. None of that shit. But you can go to Strathmore, watch movies out there, and uh, you don't need any of that bullshit. Uh, There's a lot of, like, restaurants outside of Calgary, too, that don't give a fuck. It's really, I mean, the cities, man. I know. But, uh, yeah, hopefully. But in my, like, day-to-day, all the, like, places that have been, were threatening and getting their back up, now there's, like, there's been this weird thing where they've just completely stopped talking about it. Stopped asking for stuff and uh me and one of the guys were actually talking today on what we think are they just gonna like we're just like well i think we should just stop bringing it up and see what happens because i mean i work for so many different clients and everything else and they've all got these different rules and all of them had some sort of different mandate that was coming in at different times by the end of this year and so far they've all evaporated or been pushed back and a couple of them have just like we're just not talking about them anymore at all so we'll see what happens is is next year supposed to be the worst year the better year how is we got to get gordon white on again yeah it's supposed to be pretty dark next year according to just that astrological prediction yeah isn't can now be the dark is now the dark not yet. Give it another month or two. Was in the dark I don't know. I mean, who knows, right? Attack. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I mean, we're still planning to travel. We're going to Egypt. The bros just got back from Egypt. We're going to Arizona. We're going to Utah. We're going to... Are you going to buy... I we probably won't be able to fly to these places. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. You've got, you've got your, you know, you got your card. You can go through the border. So I can get you into the States. No problem. No problem. It's just, just don't try not to sweat too much when you say, yes, I have my COVID shot. Just say, yes, I'm immunized. Say that I'm immunized. Yeah. Because you've had COVID. Exactly. So we'll find a, we'll find a nice way for you to phrase it that you don't like, Burst out into tears. I have my immunity. I have, yep, I got my immunity. Here's my card. Because here's the thing, they're not going to have the app that all these other people have. Oh, they will. I don't know. The U.S. policy is that uh, we're just going to ask you, and we're going to randomly check some people. Yeah. But I don't think Montana and Idaho are going to randomly check shit. Those are two states that uh, don't have it to deal with it on their day-to-day. You know what I mean? So it's like you don't have it any place but just at work. You go fucking card Canadians all day. That sounds like we could just be like, come on, bro. Come on. We got an event to do. We're just, come on. Maybe you get in. Maybe you go home. We'll get Maria to follow behind just in case I have to leave you at the border. Like, sorry, girl. There you go. Like, yeah. <laughs> sorry, bro. <laughs> well, she'll probably come to a couple of these, hopefully. So. Well, if you can't get over the border, she ain't going to get over the border. Yeah. We'll have to find some hobos to pay. Anyway, so what leave, else? You got? Leave, a, leave a good review. For, leave a good uh, review. I mean, we did get a bunch of five star reviews. Thank you to all those people that do that. And people can leave more to make up for that one bad one star that says, Oh, we have plenty of, of one stars. We're out of the fight. <laughs> 
Yeah, we're out of the fight, out of the fight. And uh, grandamerica.ca slash support, guys, if you can. I mean, support is a little tougher these days with everyone out of work and everything, all that shit. People going going through this bullshit. Uh, grandamerica.ca slash support. We're not complaining. we got a bunch of great people out there that help us get through all this, this stuff. Help oh, yeah, us. we couldn't do this. I couldn't take this leap of faith into, like, full-time audiobook narration and podcasting without the support. I mean, it's That being said, it is so. time to buy a net <laughs> for that ground or a pool or something so ground doesn't just lie flat on his fucking face on the pavement. Gramerica.ca slash support. Sign up this week. Check out GramericaOutlaw.ca for all of those other podcasts. Maybe you can sign up for Plus over there. You can head over to AdultBrain.ca. Check out all those audiobooks. And you can most of all enjoy this chat with the Brothers of the Serpent. All right, we got Kyle and Russ here from the Brothers of the Serpent, fresh back from Egypt. I think where their secret society might have originated. <laughs> That's very possible. How's it going, guys? Glad Good. to be here. Yeah. Good. Is that is that where Brothers of the Serpent is from? Is that what the deal is, or the mystery schools? It could be. I mean, it, it if it existed, it definitely had a. A presence there, that's for sure. There, there was serpent symbolism all over the place. Like, if it absolutely. if it existed, yeah, you know, it's mythical. Oh, oh I don't know, really. You think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I buy it. You know, but I'm just just saying for the scurps, it's mythical. It's legendary. <laughs> it is a secret society. It's totally unknown whether it was real or not. But I think it was. What's the scurps? The skeptical something? Yeah, it's our, yeah. Our name for skeptic scurptards. You know. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. We don't appease them here. No, you don't. That's right. <laughs> I'm half. We don't one. appease them. We don't appease them on our show either. We give them a lot of crap though. The job. Yeah, I was just. I I had a quote ready from. Uh, this 1800s book I'm reading about materialism and the skirptards. It's oh, yeah. pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe how bad they were fighting materialism back then, you know, and religion. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. it, it, you know, it's yes. really interesting. Yep. The, they are present in every age. The people who, you know, tow the, tow the standard line, whatever that model is at the time. Yeah. That's a yeah. good way to put it. So I got a question to start this thing off. Um, when I was in Egypt in 1990, I saw some strange things. Uh, straight men holding hands in the street. Does that still happen? Uh, I didn't notice that. You didn't notice that? They're, well, the people are like, uh, they do, they're, they're close. I don't know if you're talking about 
I don't know if we're talking about sexual orientation here or just like, but the, I would see them. Yeah, they're close with each other. They'll yeah, no, touch, I mean, so because we were like, well, we were like, uh, why are all the? It just seemed odd because we were in Cairo and probably in some <laughs> weird, weird place. But yeah, I saw all these guys holding hands, and they, they it wasn't like a, you know, the the gay part of town or anything like that. And I'm like, well, I was asking them what's going on. And they're like, that's just the, what friends do down here. Like the guys doesn't, there is no, like there's just straight men, but they just hold hands of friends. And it's just okay. hard to grasp because I can't picture holding Darren's hand walking down the street. Like, yeah. Just, that's Graham's takeaway from really Egypt. Is he just weird. wants to hold everybody's hand ever since then. He just, I just, I you did, know, I, you can I hold my hand see, sometime, bro. It's fine. I did see at least one, pair of men holding hands but i didn't know if they were even egyptian so <laughs> they were yeah. too you know there were we were surrounded by tourists in a lot of places so really yeah yeah yeah, yeah. graham was well, just let's, projecting let's start with the big things like what what was uh i mean i'm sure we're just gonna ramble on here but i mean what was the big surprise for you guys go going there like you guys have had obviously preconceived notions of egypt and and even like just how things were done there was there any overarching like surprise or change from your previous uh, perceptions or thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Lots, yeah, lots absolutely. of little ones. Um, uh, lots of little ones for sure. Um, man, uh, I, I, I can't answer this without going into like ridiculous amounts of details, but <laughs> what was okay, the number? What, what was the number one thing that changed in your Egypt paradigm? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's still happening. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, it's like part. DMT. It takes a while <laughs> yeah. to integrate. Yeah, it's it, it, there was the trip was we were there for almost two and a half weeks. Uh, we visited. Well, I have tickets for twenty four sites, but I think we went to more places than that because some, you know, some tickets were it was one ticket but multiple sites, uh, and it was just jam packed and it was full of information and we had. Uh, of course, Yusuf and Ben from Uncharted X. <clears throat> and uh, we had a, I called him the professor. We had a guy there who was specifically brought along who was an expert in hieroglyphs and translations and could not only look at them and tell you the period based on the way the script was done, but it could also basically read it for you. Uh, so there was so much information. And then uh, and then we're also, because, of, because the, the tour was focused in terms of ancient technology, because it's, it was basically an Uncharted X tour, you know, Ben and Uncharted X, his channel, he focuses specifically on on evidence for mysterious and anomalous stonework that may show signs of advanced technology in ancient times. Right. Uh, advanced technology that we don't have any evidence that the dynastic Egyptians had. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're not talking aliens here. What we're talking about is a, is an ancient civilization that may be lost to us now, possibly much, much older than, uh, than dynastic times, maybe pre younger Dryas. So that would put them at 12,000 years plus. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That Uh, makes sense. I listened to your last episode and it did seem like you guys were actually coming to some epiphanies during that episode even. Yes. Yeah. It's so, so like going back to what we were originally talking about, it's still happening. We're still trying to process because there is so much information. And then we have all this media, all these photos and <laughs> and videos and everything. And we're going back and looking through it and saying, okay, there's that thing. And, now, you know, I'm getting a better image look at it. And uh, there were, you know, like, for example, there are drill cores 
the holes for drill cores. You know what I'm talking about? So yep. there'd be some piece of granite and somebody has cut a round hole into it very deep and it'll be three, maybe four inches across in diameter. And it was clearly cored out. So in other words, the tool was a thin tube, right? Not, not like a, a drill like we use now that like drills all the material out, but a thin tube that drills, that cuts all the way in. And then you pull the drill out and then you would break the core out of there and pull that out. And now you have a hole. There's lots of that all and over. You, the and place. you have a pull. Yes, there's a there's the core that you have left over, and yeah. some of those have been found. There's some in the wow. museum in in the UK, but <clears throat> we were looking at the holes that are left. Uh, lots of ancient quarry people used those existing holes to split the stone later, because that's an that's an obvious weak point, right? They can jam a wedge in there and use it to split the stone. So some of them you can see open, and you can see the the tool marks of the original drill left on the stone. How big of a diameter are we talking about? Well, the biggest one we saw was, what, it's it's pretty famous, isn't it? Like six to eight inches across, but most of them were a couple of inches, three, maybe four. Yeah, I'd say like four inches on average, usually. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when you're out there in the desert and in the sun and you're trying to look in this dark hole, little dark hole in a, in a giant block that's sitting on the ground that you can't move, it's tough, but... You can get a high-quality camera in there and take a photograph, and then you can look at it after you get home on a big screen, and you can really see lots of details that you couldn't see while you were there. So still, there's still processing happening uh, in our minds, and we're still talking to each other about it every day. Uh, we learned so much, and it was – rather than every any huge paradigm change, I think what happened to me is we got – we got so many details that you can't get from looking from afar yeah. that it allows us to focus our questions better than when you don't have those details. And did it kind of confirm maybe some of your paradigm? Your... Yeah, I think that the, there's definitely a confirmation that there is absolutely anomalous stuff there that hasn't been hasn't been satisfactorily explained by the standard model of archaeology. Yeah, it was sort of both ways, too. It was like some ideas that I had about what could possibly be, um, you know, high technology that is not explained turned out to be not that. It's like, no, this is totally doable. The dynastic Egyptians did this with the tools that we know that they had. And then other things, it was confirmed that, yes, this is anomalous. And um, like, like, for example, some of the hieroglyphs that are so deeply carved, they look like you know, they they cast shadows inside the hieroglyphs, like on some of the obelisks and stuff. You would think, like, it looks like this is machine carving, but no, it's not. It's it's handwork, but it's very, very well done, right? So that it's, I mean, the dynastic Egyptians were, in their own right, amazing stone workers, and they could move very heavy loads. So there was a lot of stuff there that's like, yeah, okay, this is... You know, this is uh, possible for these people to have done. Um, and then, on the other hand, there were certain things that were like, okay, we have no... They don't have any tools in, in, in that we have found that can do this type of work. I got uh, the sense that there was a clear definition between uh, time, uh, era, eras, I guess, in most of the sites, like between mm. uh, top layers of stuff and, and <clears throat> massive base layers that they were done maybe at a different time yeah in some cases there's like a clear difference like especially like the osirian right what's the the temple above that is seti the, the first the temple of seti the first and then the osirian are just two totally different 
it, it's that seems very obvious that like okay uh, this is different and way older um more like the the megalithic stonework the other megalithic stonework that was done in granite that was very precise and just ridiculously huge but um in some cases it was so jumbled up that you couldn't tell it was like you know it's so confusing because these sites have been inhabited for thousands of years and they're reusing stone you know they're they're excavating stuff finding stuff and piecing things back together and so in some cases there would be hieroglyphs on the back sides of walls that are upside down or sideways in some cases the hieroglyphs were wiped off of the wall and new ones were put in (laughs) you know just completely replace whatever the older people wrote on there uh so it was in a lot of cases it 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 was really great to have yusuf and been there pointing these things out and showing you like okay this is this is actually reused stone that used to be part of another artifact that was over here and you know it's yeah like i think we what was it confusing on, was it in a lot of cases on uh, the first, it was a day before the tour, or maybe two days before, Yusuf took us to that spot. And this is, you know, so you there's huge temples and huge structures everywhere, but Yusuf or Ben, like, they know if you walk out into this area where there's probably, you know, no, no tourists going over there, but they know that there's an object over there that shows you yeah. these kinds of things. And so Yusuf led us over and showed us a place where there's uh, an old kingdom structure, a small one dedicated not to a pharaoh or anything like that but just to a priest like a high priest guy right and he was showing you like look at this stonework that's in here this is definitely old kingdom the the writing that's on this part of the wall is talking about this priest that we know was an old kingdom priest you know and he's from this particular dynasty of the old kingdom and yet it's he's showing you that there are gigantic megalithic blocks that have clearly been reused to build that structure and then written on you know to put this priest's name on. So he's like, supposedly these kinds of things weren't being built until after this period. So, and yet here we have evidence that during this period, they were already re reusing materials from older structures. Right. So it's, it's stuff like that, little details like that, that happen all throughout the tour. That yeah. really just like bring that home to you that there is, there does seem to be a missing period of, of very capable and advanced building. When you say, I'm trying to remember the, the uh, dynasties, when you say old kingdom, was that one of the oldest of the newest? No, like old, like, so old kingdom, uh, fourth dynasty, old kingdom would have been the pyramid building era. What they think it was or. Yeah. That's when they think it like the 30, 33, 3700 years BC kind of thing. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So if you're looking at a, an old king, an early old kingdom site, Right, which is supposed to be right when they first started building enormous megalithic works. And yet you can see that they were clearly reusing enormous megalithic blocks from even older buildings, then you know something's wrong with the with the standard story. Yeah, I think that's cha- I think it's opened up a lot since I was there too in the nineties. I mean Probably got a lot more access to stuff, especially I think you guys were saying on your show, even they used to saying that it's, it's changing and opening up and the, the, yes. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. The mindset of like what he was saying is the, is the mindset is changing from let's collect a bunch of discoveries and not re- release them to the public until we have this big collection and then we'll release them all at once 
to like, no, we're just keep releasing stuff and just, you know, putting it out there. Let's the interest. Let's up. allow yeah. people to take pictures and post them online as opposed to preventing any pictures being taken anywhere where you're going, which is, you know, you had to pay. And in some cases you had to pay $20 per photo or something like that uh, back back in the day so they, yeah, they've changed anymore. this stuff and and it's so it's definitely more open also you know the step pyramid for example it just opened up they've been working on it for 15 years um i think so, the bit pyramid has recently been opened yeah so they they have been going in and just like all right let's let's fix up a bunch of this stuff let's reopen a bunch of stuff so yeah and then of course the new museum is going to be opening hopefully this year um, or I mean, next year. Sorry, yeah. it was twenty twenty two. But going back to your original question, I was trying to, I was racking my brain, like what, <laughs> you know, what was a big uh, something that I had preconceived notions about that changed. Um, so the closest thing I can think of is is the idea that one. That, well, I guess there are kind of two things. One of them is resonance. I, I'm really interested in the resonance of these chambers and some of the hallways and stuff. And uh, that sort of lost its importance, you know, within the first couple of days. Wow. Uh, going through there. I mean, it's, it's interesting, but um, once you've crawled through enough tunnels, even if they're not, um, you know, they're not ornately designed if they're just rough like they can still have all these resonant qualities so the ones that are built they're they're kind of all over the place you go into one room it's like one resonance and then the next one is is slightly different and i mean it'd be really interesting to catalog all of that stuff because it kind of is a measuring tool right you're measuring the space of the interior but in a lot of cases i couldn't i couldn't really do it uh, adequately without a tone generator like if i was just using my voice i'm only capturing certain wavelengths because if a tunnel is really long like there's no way i can get the length of that tunnel or be able to predict you know how low it might be even if i got a high harmonic of it but the more stuff we went into the less i i, I just i was thinking about all of this stuff in in terms of say like the giza power plant idea I just don't see how sound is energetic enough to have much to do with it, other than that it is designed specifically to certain dimensions because of some other reason, right? So by the end of the trip, I was thinking of the sound or the resonance of a chamber in terms of just measuring it. Right, I didn't have a measuring tool, so if I could find the resonance, I could write down that frequency and say, "Well, this is what it resonated at." And this is the material, and this is the shape, and then yeah. go to the next one and have a whole database on. Right, that, that would be, and see, there was a guy on the trip that was doing that, and his name was uh, Anthony, I think his name was, right? Yeah, and he's he was doing a re- way better job of it than I was. He was like taking all this data down and using a laser me- laser measuring device. So I was like, all right. <laughs> I can stop doing that now. But yeah, I just I, <laughs> you just need your acoustic guitar and a digital recorder and just Now that would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Capture some some music in these rooms. So at, at one point we did stop in one of the chambers of a pyramid and Yusuf uh played his Egyptian flute in there and everybody was like really quiet and it was awesome. You know, it was just beautiful sounding. Um 
And that's great. I just, you know, I've, I've, the more I thought about it, the, the, the less I feel like this is, um, a, a reason for the dimensions. I, I feel more or less that it is a, um, an effect of the dimensions of these, of these chambers. Does that go with the King's chamber as well? I mean, did you, you I saw pictures of you guys lying in there and stuff. You did some toning in there. Did you now did that you, is, that is any spiritual experiences or anything like that? Like I keep thinking that cause they, I think they were obsessed with the afterlife and death and yes. And asked the was, astral realm. And that seems to me like it could be a good, uh, that was um, the dynastics sensory deprivation chamber. Yeah, that now would, that, that would be awesome. I I agree. Yeah, but but that's the you're talking about the dynastic Egyptians. So one of the things we were spending a lot of time thinking about and looking for while we were in Egypt was somebody way before them built all a lot of this yeah, stuff. But, yeah, but maybe they they picked up on all that knowledge and that's why yeah, they're I mean, absolutely. But when you're when you're talking about a co- otherwise completely unknown culture, you have to throw everything out, and then you have to just you all you can look at is the structure itself. Yeah, and say, yeah. what could this possibly be for? And we know the dynastic Egyptians were very concerned with the afterlife. They did lots of work on it. They put their best minds on it, you know. And they, they, uh, that that's what they they spent a lot of resources thinking about the afterlife and what it was like and what and how to, I don't know, um, maximize your passage through it and into the next place, the house of millions of years, right? But we don't know that about any hypothetical precursor civilization. And honestly, the interiors of those pyramids, as opposed to the interiors of the temples that we went into, the pyramids were like inhospitable. Yeah, totally. Whereas the temples were, they had enormous doorways and beautiful rows of columns and they clearly, and they were covered in myth and legend and writing and paint and, even though most of that's gone, you can see the remnants of it, and you can imagine what it must have looked like. Whereas the inside of the pyramid is 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 empty. Dang, it's dank, yeah. Yeah, it's and well, yes, it's humid too. But I'm just saying, like in terms of its construction, it doesn't seem like people were meant to be in there. It's like crawling around in a drainage system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. even like even a machine. So it's more like a machine. Yeah, a yeah, system. and that's that's kind of where I was going with this. Like like what Darren is saying, it's it's like a machine yeah. or a system. What we've been we've been kind of switching over to the system idea, but what about um, like a uh what about like a time capsule or a chamber to save seeds in? I always just like to think that maybe that box you guys lied in in the king's chamber was all full of seeds and stuff. It just you just don't need a 14-acre structure to hold a box full of seeds. But that you know, I'm not I'm not trying to I'm just saying, you it's like you, you look bitch. at the whole thing and you're just like, what is this for? Like, why is there this giant triangle around this room? <laughs> but it was like a Pez, like seed machine. They <laughs> just deliver the seeds every now and again out the shaft. That's right. You just get a couple seeds a day. Yeah. <laughs> Next group of pilgrims come up and do their stuff and the shoot, some more seeds come down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, Definitely think that the um, time capsule idea could have some some merit because I mean yeah you can dig a tunnel you could dig a, a cave underground or whatever as they did they dug these massive shafts that went way down but of course if the if the water level rises then you've got you know it's it's going to be flooded which a lot of these shafts are flooded now and of course during the Nile flooding they would have been flooded yeah 
So you can build a mountain and put a room up in that mountain and, and it won't be flooded. And it won't be flooded. Unless there's a serious flood. Yeah. Yeah. So and you, and you'll be able to see it. You know, it'll, if, yeah. you, if you, you don't want to hide what you're it. doing. Yeah. I, I think there's, yeah, I think that's definitely a, a good hypothesis and something to look for more evidence for. Yeah. Well, I got to ask are you. So the, the interior, so, so this is how I would possibly uh, deconstruct that. Like literally you could protect them by building a much less complicated structure. The interior of the pyramid is so complicated of the great pyramid and, and the other pyramids that we went in there. The, the masonry is complex. These tunnels are strange and hard to get in and out of. If you didn't want anybody to get in and out of it, don't leave tunnels. Just build up, have your chamber, fill it with seeds and build over top of it and build all the way up to the top and be done. And then when you need the seeds, you just deconstruct it and get them. Yeah, because that's a one-time-use container. It's a right? one-time-use container, and yeah. it's a one-time-use container anyway. Yeah, because like the granite uh-huh. plugs that are in the way of the ascending passageway, they had to tunnel around them. You can't so that, get through. So that that what do you call that uh, thing that you lied in? Then what, what's it technically called? Sarcophagus. We just call it a box. The sarcophagus. The box, yeah. Sarcophagus. <clears throat> so that so in your in your thought maybe it's uh, that was if it's a machine or something then that could have been a battery or some kind of technology that was stuck in the middle of that chamber. Yeah. Uh, yeah the liquid it, mercury went in there. Yeah. There you go. See, bro. that's, that's it. Liquid, it was spinning liquid mercury and yes, the whole thing <laughs> flew. I, but, and there was yeah, a virgin in like, there. Yeah. It looks yeah. like that box actually belongs right now. It's shoved against the back wall. Like when you come into the great, to the King's chamber, you enter near one of the small walls and then you can look down the long angle of the room to the back wall and the, the box is back there. But there are the shaft entrances that come in to the sides and it looks like it was probably meant to be centered between them. I don't know. I'm just guessing. But I thought it was in the middle. No, it's all the way at the back. Huh. Maybe they moved it. It's definitely been moved. It's been moved for sure. Yeah. yeah that's in that's in the... It was in the middle. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, now it's all the way at the end. Well, I mean, it's hard. It'd be hard to find a couple guys that were more uh, excited to go to Egypt than you guys, right? I mean, yes, you've been absolutely. talking about it on the podcast for a couple of years. Uh, the Straight to Pyramids fun, and I mean, I'm excited because yeah. I'm. We're all going next year. If people want to come with us, they can uh, go to contact at the cabin dot com. Check that out. Um, right. We've got a waiting list going, and you can check out our other events. If Egypt's a little too pricey for you, we have uh, events all over the price spectrum. But I got to say, because you guys would have been super excited for this, more excited than me, more excited than most people. And was it like overwhelming, underwhelming? What oh, was man, the was most? What was the most impressive? It. And like, are you as excited to go back? Absolutely. I'm more excited to go back now that I know what's there and what, you know, th- there there are definitely places that I, when we left, I was like, I want to be, I, I want to stay in there. I want to keep being there, but we're going to the next place. So it just makes me want to go back even more uh, to, to these certain sites. And, um, you know, we went to a couple of sites that we were like, yeah, we're glad we went to those, but we don't want to go back to those. Do you feel naked uh, without your scarves? Yes. Uh, the scarves. I mean, we got to bring the scarves 
here. Yeah, like Texas needs those scarves. Texas needs. To, Did you keep them? I was hoping you'd wear them yeah, for the show. The Bedouin scarf to Texas. Yeah. Yeah, I actually brought my scarf there because uh, it was a gift from uh, a buddy of mine from a long time ago. And it's actually from Abu Dhabi. So I was wearing it. And the Egyptians would look at it and be like, no, 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 no. That's not the right you, guy. You want one of these. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 bro. I got my. Oh, yeah. I totally got sucked into buying all the retire. I had the pants and the shirts. and. Oh, dude, I'm, yeah, I'm going full robe when I'm there, man. I'm going to look like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Of you look great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I should learn some Egyptian. Yeah, that was another thing I, I would like to do is actually work work on some Arabic because uh, it's that that would be cool to be able to uh, communicate a little better with the locals. The the people are really awesome. Yeah, I think the only what we learned shukron. That's the only bakshish. One. Bakshish. Yeah. Bakshish. Well, bakshish. Yeah, everybody knows bakshish, but shukron is thank you. Uh, yeah. What's bakshish? Bribe. Oh. Money. Pay me money. Yeah. All right. Money, 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 money. Yeah, yeah. they do this. Like even when you climb up the the wall, the the canyon wall to the to the uh, smaller caves in the Valley of the Kings where the priests were, there's still little kids hanging around the cave entrance asking for backsheesh. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Well, the, so with the tour, and this will happen when we do this next year, we have people with us that do their best to keep that from happening so much. Uh, Yusuf obviously is is good at it uh he also will keep the they, basically yusuf and his tour managers are handling the bribes the bakshish so they tell you at the beginning of the tour don't pay anybody we pay them and we're very generous if they ask you for money you don't have to pay them because they've already been paid <clears throat> they'll still try to get you to pay them though obviously but yeah and then you know, we had what I called MIB with us in a lot of sites, the men in black, dudes in suits with guns, uh, keeping us safe and also keeping a lot of time, like especially at Giza, where there's lots and lots of, let's say, predatory vendors. Those guys were, would would just stand around looking badass and keeping those people away from us. So, yeah, it's helpful. Wow. Yeah, yeah. things have changed. Yeah. Or maybe I, I should mean, wear a suit. There are plenty instead. of people that didn't have MIB. We just did because we were a like a VIP tour, which is what we're going to be next year as well. Yeah, right on. So, what was the like? What was the if you had to pick one thing? What was the highlight of the the tour? Well, for me, uh, that would be. It's really hard to. I mean, Giza is. Just absolutely amazing. Yeah. You know, just not necessarily going in to a pyramid. That, that was that was always cool. But just being at Giza and being able to walk around those structures was was just awesome. But it but if it were a specific site, I'd have to say it's the Serapium. I mean, that that's the one of the places that I want to go back and spend a lot of time yeah. with that's a lot of bribe money. Is that the one with the underground, straight underground tunnels? You could drive a VW in through it and with all the... All the giant boxes. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, and we're talking about giant boxes that barely fit in the tunnels. Yeah, these, this, this place... <laughs> there's like, like, and that's 20, underground, right? I yeah, mean, there's, yeah. There's, it's a series of tunnels cut directly into bedrock. And there's alcoves going off of each tunnel, and there's 24 enormous black granodiorite boxes in them that with where the lids weigh 30 tons and the box itself weighs 70 tons so together they weigh like 100 tons 
And the boxers, boxes are so ba- big that they barely fit through the hallways. There's one still sitting in the hallway, and you have to, like, squeeze past it. <clears throat> so you just... The precision of the boxes and the, the workmanship makes you wonder what tools they were using, how did they why polish these things, and why. And then you see the box that's sitting in the hallway, and you ask yourself, how were they moving them in through here? Because the whole, like, get a million dudes around it with a bunch of ropes doesn't work. <laughs> no, you, you know? can't fit that. You many can't people. fit anybody in there. <laughs> oh my god, that's that's so. Yeah, that really throws a wrench into a lot of yes, you know, explanations. Probably right. Yes, yeah. So they does. they had to take them down, and then in into this tunnel system and go around the corners in the tunnel system, which are sharp corners. It also rules out the idea that they could have built the tunnels around them, then having that one in the hallway. Yeah, because it's dug out of it's the dug out of the bedrock. Yeah. yeah. The tunnels aren't built. Oh, They're it's all out. Jesus. Yeah. Do you ever do you ever think that because you guys saw some of these huge machine marks and stuff as well, or or and yeah, like so, how come there's no tooling or machine left left well, after all the this this massive building? Like it just well, if those iron would be gone. Well, let's just say let's just say even if it even if they were built maybe you know six thousand years ago. People have been there the whole time. So if like a civilization built all this stuff with all these tools and then they somehow died or left and left all the tools there, the, one of the most valuable things would be the metal. If it was, if there was any metal involved, it would be valuable. People would be taking Bashing it apart, it apart. breaking it, it down, s- scrapping it to make other things. And those Burning things would be sold and traded and they would be spread all over the world for thousands of years. And, you know, what didn't actually wear away or oxidize is just somewhere else. So what about what about all the desert that isn't there a lot of stuff to be dug up still? A lot of desert that hasn't been looked at. I mean, is it? Absolutely. Yeah. Everywhere you go, there's places that's like, yeah, they've never actually excavated that all the time. (laughs) Or, yeah, that's full of water. And they know it goes down further, but they can't get to it because it's got water in it. And, you know, it's just everywhere. Everywhere. Oh, look out in the desert over there. There's like this big ring and a sunken divot in the middle of it. Yeah, there's something there. They never there's something there, and no one's ever dug it out. Yeah, it's everywhere. Wow. So you wonder what Should we it bring just like if it was all undug. <laughs> you know, all undug. It was probably just a massive, massive. You know how yeah, we like yeah. to give away cack stuff. You know, towels, shirts, yeah, hats. Yeah, we have cack, cack This shovels. year, everyone <laughs> yeah, gets well, we a shovel. Cack, we could do cack spoons. Yeah. You know, because it's a it's. It's you just can, a spoon, right? You can get away with like, oh yeah, it's just a spoon. Yeah. Or we could get those like collapsible emergency shovels that like collapse <laughs> up all small and yeah. go in your pack. And then yeah. all of a sudden we're just digging, digging in the night. Was it the same for you then, Russ? That was your favorite spot as well. Well, since uh, I I obviously loved the Serapium, but since Kyle brought that one up, I'll bring up the Osirian, which we mentioned before. I've been looking at this site for. Longer than I knew about the Serapium, and I've been wondering about it. It's, um, and the reason it's fascinating me from afar is because of its of where it's situated. You know, it's it's kind of out in the desert. Seti the first built what they call his, uh, you know, a, a temple out there, um, and the temple's full of chapels. So the temple appears to have been intended to be in use as a temple. At least that's what Yusuf told us, because there were there were separate little what he called chapels, in each one dedicated to a different god, right? So there it was intended to be used, but most of these temples that are built this way they're long, narrow rectangles in in floor plan, but this one actually 
is an L shape, and it's because it appears to be because when they were digging the foundations to build the temple, they found the Osirian buried under the desert. And so they ended up connecting the Osirian to this temple. So you can get to it, you can get to the Osirian by going through a tunnel in the temple. Uh, but it's much deeper than the temple itself. It's way down in the bedrock. I think it's 50 feet below the surface. And it looks nothing like the temple. It's gigantic, massive, absolutely enormous megalithic and monolithic granite blocks uh, with no writing on them. You know, there's some graffiti now, uh, but it's just, it, it's enormous and huge and mysterious and silent as opposed to these temples that are full of writing and, and stories. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, that going back to the difference between what we're thinking is, you know, traditional Egypt or Egyptian structures and Egyptian artifacts versus something possibly that predates uh, the Egyptian civilization is the fact that there's a bunch of like extremely megalithic stuff with no writing. Yeah, it's... And then you look at all the Egyptian stuff, and it's just full of it. It's completely covered in writing. They wrote on everything but the floor. Yeah, they wrote on the ceilings. I mean, this, yeah. if they didn't write on the ceiling, they put stars all over it. You know, right. It's everywhere. But in the Serapium, these boxes, for like pretty much every one of them doesn't have writing except for one, and it's like crudely scratched into the sides of it. But yeah, the the Osirian, as as Russ was saying, doesn't have any writing. It has some later markings on it. That's obviously not by the builders. Yeah. So the pyramids are like that. Well, they it must be no super writing. dark in all those spots too. How is the lighting? You guys using flashlights? Is there evidence of like torches? Everlasting in the past. Lamps. <laughs> yeah. The place the places that there were evidence of torches were mostly in the temples. Uh, the ceilings in some of the temples were black. Uh, because in a lot of cases, the um, the temples were half filled with sand and there were people living in there and they were stables and they were whatever, you know, and they're burning just regular torches and it just campfires, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And it's just black ceilings. But um, so that's possibly not from the Egyptian era. That's like in the aftermath. Yeah. Or it's later <laughs> or between between then and now. Yeah. Between dynasties, I mean, yeah. who knows? You know, some of these temples are old, but people have been using it, like regular people have been using it as a as a ruin for a long and as time. It, yeah, and as quarries. I mean, they quarried all kinds yeah. of stuff, too. There's plenty of evidence of, you know, later dynastic period Egyptian people coming in and using it as a state, using structures that were sort of falling down from a previous age. Not, but still Egyptian, dynastic, but they're just, it's already several hundred years old, it's falling apart, nobody's using it anymore, it's full of sand, and they come in there and they stable their animals in it. And they live in there, you know. And then it slowly begins to fill up with uh, occupation layers, broken pottery and animal crap, and and as the levels get higher, you know, and they're burning fires in there and using torches, the ceilings are getting darker and darker, and so the archaeologists have come out, come in and dug all that stuff out of there, and then they have to spend all this time working on the ceilings and the walls trying to clean the soot off there. And you can see in some places it's a, there's a clear mark where they cleaned this area, and you can still see some of the paint, and then over here it's just pitch black because they haven't gotten to it yet. Um, but then there were, been, there were other areas like in the, in the tombs in the Valley of the Kings they were pristine. Yep. You know, and that was one of the, I was just like, how, how come there's, how did they tunnel down in here and then tunnel out this room and leave all these 
nice square pillars and just carve this whole perfect, beautiful room and then go down and carve another room and go down and carve all these other rooms and then draw all over the walls and then come back and carve away everything and leave high relief hieroglyphs and, and, and then paint those and paint everything. And there's no soot. And uh, the answer is they had very clean burning candles at this stage. <laughs> is there evidence of like holders Magical for any candles. of that kind of stuff? Yeah. Is there like torch holders or, you know, stuff nope. like that? Shelving to hold candles? No. Nope. Because you'd need all that kind of stuff. I mean, you'd I don't know. Hold. I mean, yeah. they have different technologies for lights. I Do was they? pretty astonished they by just that. Clap. I, I did hear the I did hear the whole like system of mirrors idea. Yes. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah, you, mirrors. You, you put a bunch of mirrors and you can bring sunlight all the way down to the bottom chamber. Here's yeah. the thing with that. That's fucking great. But if you're gonna do that, then you're just gonna light a torch, man. <laughs> you know, once it becomes easier to just light the torch, isn't that what you're gonna do? Or will you die maybe from the lack well, of Well they had every, I mean they had everlasting lamps. I truly we know, we I've know. read, I've read yeah. enough. Yeah, they all they, in. they yeah. just burn forever. Well, they right? just have flashlights. They don't yeah. have any soot. I have I've read about the everlasting lamps as well. I think those were probably a very closely kept secret. Was that um, plugged into the Baghdad battery? You think? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what the Dendera light bulbs were plugged into the Baghdad batteries, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got to see those that, that those carvings. How is the flight over going through? Like a uh, couple of different uh, countries, I assume. It was long. Yeah, yeah, it was long. 30 hours of travel. And I don't want to get into all the other annoying aspects about travel right now. But. Yeah. What about traveling in cab uh, through the desert for about eight hours to Abu Simbel? That was <laughs> pretty crazy. I mean, I don't know. We, we went, I went there and I was just blown away by that. But maybe after all the stuff you guys saw. We were on a very cushy, nice, air-conditioned, gigantic VIP travel bu- tour bus. So it was not a little cab <laughs> so a lot of us slept you know just slept our way to abu Simbel. but no kyle and i stayed awake and looked at the desert and yeah. looked at the mirages and then of course once you start getting close to the lake you got to look at the lake because it's just this strange it's weird do you remember that just yeah. a gigantic yeah. body of water out there in the desert. It's empty. No one's on it because it's full of crocodiles. <laughs> I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't oh, wrap so my can't... head around how they moved the whole thing. Like this, this Abu Simbel is just massive. This massive temple, I guess. Right? Is yeah. It a temple. They cut it apart. Did they cut it apart and move it in pieces? Then with cranes yeah. and shit, or yes, yeah. yeah. And they just they just lifted it up. That uh, I think the tour guide that was there with us showed us. He was like, it was down there. Like it was basically down below the where the level of the lake is right now and so they just cut it out of the mountainside brought it up onto the next terrace up where the lake level wouldn't be that high and then they built an artificial cliff wall and then put it in there can so. we swim in the lake sure yeah if you want to be eaten by crocodiles like for sure that'll happen is it clear can we like <laughs> no nobody it's, it's swam full of crocodiles <laughs> can you see nobody the crocodiles swim. nobody uses it yeah we saw one patrol boat but it's it's crazy. It's this enormous, beautiful body of water, and it's completely empty. No, no pleasure craft. No. I wonder what the crocodiles are eating. I don't know. Yeah, there must be fish in there. Oof. But yeah, it was weird. It's just this gigantic inland sea out there in the middle of the desert. Will I, I be able to climb water. the pyramid? Uh, we climbed satellite pyramids and small ones, but none of the big ones. Yeah. 
You might, but you'd have to have a lot of money and probably um, a lot more money. Yeah. Well, that changed. Well, do you have, like, numbers? We were able to climb it and light up a little doobie up there. Maybe I could... (laughs) I could get a GoFundMe going for Darren Smokes join on the pyramid. Did you climb the pyramid, Graham? Yeah, that oh, led us man. back then. That was, but that was like thirty-one years ago. So, oh yeah. So well, you don't think you think you get arrested if you just went for it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like right away. You can't get on the plateau at night. I mean, I mean the thing we had to hide the weed because that was they were pretty serious against weed back then. Yeah, man, yeah. Was, yeah. I don't know how it is now for that. Well, but. I want to climb the pyramid, so add that to the whatever you got to add it to. <laughs> yeah, you might have to take. You, you're you're going to be told by the tour group that you need to do that on your own time. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like you'd have to come a day early, probably, and make arrangements for or that. do it a day after, so that you get arrested after the tour is yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. That way you're not in jail for the whole tour. Yeah. <laughs> do you know anyone who's gone to jail in Egypt? How is it? I don't know. We, we were we, told it's awful. A lot of, a lot of hand-holding. I made a, lot, I made a lot of jokes about... We were talking I was telling about Ben, that. I'm like... You gotta ben, have the full experience. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Ben, you haven't really done Egypt if you haven't gone to jail in Egypt yet. And he's like, you don't want to go to jail here, mate. So I'm good looking, too. Ooh, that could be trouble. <laughs> could be trouble. If anyone's going to go to go to jail, better be Graham. With a little bit of sun, you could be Egyptian. That's right. Then can I climb the pyramid? No. No, then they shoot you. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> then the MIBs get you. Yeah, that's right. That you can't do it during the day because the plateau is covered in people. So you have to do it at night, which means you have to sneak through the guards. Well, you just pay them all off, right? But if he, if he's asking if you just went for it, oh yeah, I'm just no, telling you, like, yeah. you know, what's so you the get, average payoff? I don't know. I, it costs thousands of dollars to try to pay off the entire plateau to climb the pyramid, and then. Uh, what they really then don't can want we is, all climb the pyramid for thousands? What they really don't want is you to take a bunch of pictures and immediately post them to the internet because then they get busted. Well, I won't post until I get home. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just. Uh, I mean, if it's dark, there won't be any. Yeah, pictures. then everybody wants to come to Egypt and climb the pyramid. Then it, the period, the pyramid. Then it creates yeah. a whole f- crazy demand. Right? It creates right, yeah. an economy. Is what it creates. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's an yeah. economy. Yeah. A sub economy. Yeah. Was there any would, uh, uh, was there any floating or sailing up the Nile at all? Yeah, we, an economy of scaling the pyramid. <laughs> an economy yeah. of scaling. <laughs> well, it's a technically an economy of bribery, but yeah. you know it's the same thing. It's like buying a ticket. Yeah, but they don't want to lose their jobs or go to jail either. What's the exchange rate like? Are we talking a couple thousand it's U.S. Three. or a couple thousand Egyptian? Oh uh, no, it's no, gonna, it's no, gonna it's gonna be, cost it's like you. fifteen to one or fifteen something. The one dollar, and we're talking thousands of dollars U.S., not not Egyptian pounds. God damn! I don't know what the number is. Nobody told me. I'll well, find that's what out. I was told. It. I'll it find out. Thousands of dollars to try, and okay. then you would probably have to pay thousands more when you were done with it. Oh, you Ra- Ross already tried to climb the pyramid. No, I just asked about it. <laughs> of course, you did. Man, after my own <laughs> heart. We had a couple of dudes on the tour who were like, "I'm going to do it." And then they got up to the first pyramid and they were like, no one can climb this. <laughs> Physically? Or yeah. just because of the... He was just, he just, I don't think he understood how big they were. Like we got, and the first pyramid we really got close to for them was the bent pyramid, which has most of its casing stones still intact. So it's kind of got a slick surface and it's steep. <laughs> yeah, that one would be <laughs> That one would be a fuck. That Is that one tough. of the ones that we could climb though? No. Uh, but you can climb the satellite pyramid that's next to it. We did. 
Nice. I mean, if Graham could climb it, probably I, I'm sure we all could get up. There. Yeah. I'm, I, if if somebody offered me to climb the Great Pyramid, I would take them up on it. I well, I'll probably it. offer it. No, I mean like legitimately offer, like, hey, everybody, everything's been handled. You can legally climb this now, or bribe. Everybody's been bribed. You can climb it. But well, I'll can't. say that. <laughs> Ron Ross, I was bullshitting. Look, look, look. I won't it'd have to be Yusuf or uh, one of the tour managers. I'm gonna call Ben. If Mo told me, yeah, I'm gonna call Ben tomorrow. This is outrageous. Call him up. I was told to be pyramid climbing. <laughs> How was the Nile cruise? Is that all full of crocodiles too? Did you get to fish? None of the crocodiles we are told are below the dam anymore. So, so did you swim in the Nile? You can. We didn't. There were people doing it, though. Kids. You didn't kids swim, swim anywhere, Kyle? You're a swimmer. I just swam in the pool on the Nile cruise ship. Yeah. You didn't do any backflips off anything? No. <laughs> no. I wanted to do a backflip down into the Osiris shaft, but there wasn't enough water in the bottom. <laughs> so the cruise ship was pretty big then. The cruise they're, ship was big and nice. Yeah, it was cool. They're yeah, and they're all the same size because they have to fit through the lock, and at, at the upper Luxor? Nile, huh? In Luxor, yeah. So, how many people are on the boat? Um, we actually kind of had the boat mostly to ourselves. There was a little, a few other people, I think, on us. Yeah, when we cruise, when we when we got up to swan we had a thirty big, something. A big group it. of people came in to take the cruise back down, but uh, up all the way up, we were mostly there by ourselves. But yeah, I imagine it could hold seventy people. How long um, was the cruise? That must have been pretty neat. Four days. Were you um, eating local? Yeah, yeah, but so the part of the tour is that they take you to places where you know it's trustworthy food, high end local. Yeah, it was it was good food. Oh man, it was so good. The food was awesome, and uh, yeah, better yeah, than tox. If you don't want Pharaoh's revenge, you need to stay away from like the yeah, leafy or, vegetables or mummy tummy, <laughs> mummy <laughs> tummy. <laughs> Any overnight trips to the desert at all? Um, no, we um, were too tired. It was every every day was early morning, and then out all day, and then oh get God. back, and we would have a couple of beers, and then we would all crash because you had to be back up at it again the next day. So no, there was no uh, nobody. As far as I know, no one snuck off to the desert too. Pretty yeah, nice trip though, from what Kyle. I mean, I talked to Kyle last week, a couple of weeks ago. All the hotels were pretty nice, and it was a pretty yeah. pretty cushy trip. It wasn't like people don't have to worry about roughing it. Nope, no, it was top of the line the whole way. Yeah. Yep, it was it was great. Top yeah. of the line for Egypt. So you got to keep that in mind. It's you know it's uh, five stars for Egypt. So like four stars here. <laughs> Three. Yeah, just it's it two and a half. It varies. It's mostly in the construction of things that are less stars. So the staff of all the hotels were great. The food was really good. You know, but if you want internet. Wi-Fi, it didn't always work. You know, if you want... Uh, you guys did kind of go radio silent there. You were pretty active for the first day or two, posting pictures, and then it dwindled off. Was that a data thing? Uh, well, we were very active every day in our Discord. That's where I fo Fucking we focused Discord. most of our attention. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle <laughs> said on the first day that he would text me all the pictures he put in the Discord. <laughs> I, I have the text on my phone. Did you say that? I forgot completely <laughs> all about that. Sorry, buddy. 
Uh, you know He's what? like, you got to join the Discord. I was like, I can't do that, man. He's like, all right, I'll text him to you. <laughs> yeah. I'm Are you serious? I must have been having too many beers when I told you that. <laughs> it was like 10 in the morning, but I guess there's a time <laughs> for you, change. For you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were very active in our Discord chat. But every that day. was the thing. He had internet access. And then once the Wi Fi went down in the hotel, I didn't have internet access because my phone is locked. And I couldn't get an Egyptian SIM card, which, if you're going to Egypt, get an unlocked phone. Yeah. Or can, what was the, what's the carrier Ben has that is... is AT&T, I guess, is, he, he just used his AT&T worldwide. He just okay. went and he says they charge you 10 bucks a day while you're, you know, to use their global network. And uh, you get full data and everything over yeah. there. And he had pretty good service. But I just bought an Egyptian SIM card from the airport. 40 gigabytes, plugged it right into my phone immediately, and then I'm on the Egyptian... I get an Egyptian phone number, and then I'm good to go. Yeah, I didn't... I couldn't do that, and so I was reliant on his uh, internet access. Whenever, and then when we weren't around each other, when the hotel internet went down, I was screwed. Yeah. So. How, much, how much was that SIM card? No, oh, like $25. Yeah. Oh, that's not bad at all. My phone's unlocked, so I could just pop it in my yeah. iPhone. And I'd have a weird number, which is the same when I go to the States, but I and still you'll, have you'll all pay. my data stuff, you know? You're commuting, yeah. communicating through all, through all these different... Uh, yeah, you'll you'll have a weird number and you'll get texts in Arabic, but other than that... you Trying to sell you no stuff, problem. probably. They're probably trying to... You're getting yeah, Arabic spam. I don't know. Spam. I got tons of, I got no, tons of like, texts in Arabic. I have no idea what they said. They say, they're, go they're to OnlyFans with your Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> click this link. Just click this link. Yeah. Ben texted me, so hopefully he's on the pyramid thing already. They're he must be listening to, to the live stream. just trying to notify you that your camel warranty has expired. <laughs> Did you ride a camel? No. No. Did you see camels? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was lots of camels. That that was the other thing. Because the trip was so jam-packed, like, basically what happens, like, say, if you're on the Giza Plateau, there's a lot of people with camels. They want to take you on camel rides. But we have um a schedule and there's 30 people and they ask you please don't accept camel rides because what they want to do is take you off by yourself and hit you up for more money to bring you back and then it takes time when everyone has to wait yeah everybody has to wait on you if we're going somewhere and you've gone off by yourself so they ask you like don't can we go a day early and ride camels (laughs) you will get it you will get a chance to ride a camel yeah it's probably a little stricter than contact at the cabin when you get out of the bus. You know, you're like, okay, we're here for this much time. Be back at the bus at this time. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it's, and it's, it's, you know, it's important because you don't want to make the whole group wait. And that happened multiple times. People would get stuck in the market and they're buying stuff. And then the entire bus is sitting there waiting, but we all, you know, you kind of put up with it a little bit cause it happens, but you don't want somebody just like deciding I want a camel ride and they're gone for an hour scoring coke and they can't get back because they don't have any egyptian money and the dude won't bring them back until he gets paid did you give him a hand job well he likes to hold hands maybe you could give him a handy (laughs) (laughs) does he get you hop hop up on the camel here with me bro but i guarantee you on the tour when you guys go you'll 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 understand you you won't i mean riding the camel you know might be fun but you're going to be more interested in what we're doing which is not riding camels we're looking at ancient stuff What's the weed smoking? Darren's going like? to be more interested in in riding a camel. Probably, yeah, so we can just Darren doesn't need <laughs> to go on the tour. I'll just get it out of my system the first day. We'll just go early. I'll He's ride a camel. He'll be on his own. I'll climb things. a pyramid. We'll get all that out of my system. You should we'll ride the camel up the pyramid. That would be fun. <laughs> 
That would be nobody's ever done. No that. one's done that. Dun, 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 dun. Jared climbed the pyramid in a on a camel with the fucking <laughs> brothers of the serpent fucking hoodie on, smoking a joint. Yeah. So can you smoke weed in Egypt now? Is that okay or? Um, uh, no, it's not okay. But yeah, yeah, that's the answer. That's a, that's a good enough answer for me. It was, there you it go. was better yeah. when it was like that everywhere. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> yeah. Um. I'm but sure yeah, if, you know, I'm sure if you can get away with it on an army base uh, without them wanting you to, you know. What are you talking so, about? So, uh, this is live. So, so overall, though, overall, though, like, do, do you guys get a sense that there was definitely an antediluvian, you know, giant civilization with these building these megalithic things way like 30, 40,000 years ago or 15,000? I mean, I, I have a hard time. Going back, if you're going back 12,000 when the actual younger dryas happened, like you might as well go back. It's got to be a thousand before that. That, like, that was the end of their. Summer. That was the end. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I, I do. That did not change like that. That's the idea. And I feel like, you know, the tour was designed basically like Ben uh, worked on this itinerary um, and the, and the focus was looking at that stuff wow that gives that that gives you this sense of like okay there was something more something much older that was lost that they found and it was already ancient when they found it right and it was it was so cool it's like everywhere we went there was one aspect that was that was that's what it was all about you know so it was um yeah and that's and, very cool. That's a great idea, you know, to to, yeah. theme, to theme that. That know? was the like, theme. And good it was group. just fantastic. Was it a good yeah. group? Oh, the group it was, a great was amazing. Group. Yeah, I can't I can't speak highly enough of of Ben <coughs> and Yusuf and the entire commit school. And then of course, you know, uh Ben and his content is reflected in the people who showed up at the tour because yes. they were mostly you know, they knew of us. A lot of them did, but they were they were there because of Ben's content, and they were just great people, and uh, you know, very detail oriented and interested in looking. You could tell the trip, right? Because, like Kyle was saying, we go and there's this beautiful temple, all these huge columns and everything, and then there's like one broken granite box, and everyone's looking at that. Yeah. Right, the entire tour group is looking at this piece of granite while they're are surrounded by huge columns and you know obviously dynastic work and all the other tours are like wow but we're looking at this piece of granite over in the corner in the dark <laughs> because that's what we're there for is <laughs> the remnants of ancient technology. Totally, that's the beauty of these sort of in-house tours and taking it on and uh, yeah. and and doing it like that as opposed to you know like the commercial route where we're all at answering an ad in a magazine or yep. I don't know, however right. it goes, even like the Graham Hancock level tours. I've never gone on one. They're probably pretty great, but even then his, his, I mean, I don't, it might, it might be the same group, but he's so popular. It might start. To... Yeah. Well, Graham would definitely have people interested in a lost civilization, but Ben's really focused on the tech. Yeah. Know? So it was, it was clear. Yeah, it's always such. I mean, we've we've been touch wood, but I mean, we've done how many of these now? And you guys gone to Egypt. Now we're gonna do another one in Egypt, and it just seems yep. like it's always the coolest fucking people ever. Yeah, that's yes, right. it was. And and the other cool thing about it is is that, um, Yusuf being our guide, not an official tour guide of of Egypt or of you know 
He's uh, not. He's not like a licensed, not a licensed official, official government. But he, tour he was. Guide. He was taking us around and pointing things out and teaching us. Right. He was like the teacher of the the Kemet school, and so his focus is also, yeah, in that area, and so. And he does work himself, doesn't he? He does stonework himself. So he knows, he has a lot of hands-on experience with what it takes to make artifacts. And um, But it's not just that. Because he's focused that way, and the rest of the group is also focused that way, it was like, okay, it's expected that, uh, see, I brought like this laser level thing, and I also brought like a, you know, a precision another precision tool and then some other people had some precision measuring tools and the thing was like well you know um when we say a certain word you're a tourist yeah not allowed to do science not allowed to do science on these sites because that that's you (laughs) know against the rules so yeah it was like designed in such a way that you know we could so you got you mean you got to like we could take the liberty to pull the camera the, and put away the laser and pull up yes, the camera. Yes, yeah, exactly. Pretend he, that we had a we had a like a safe word. Yeah, where he'd call it out, and we'd all start pretending to be tourists. <laughs> <laughs> stick your stick your you know all your lasers and everything away, and take out the camera. And be like, wow, look at that beautiful writing on that wall. Yeah, it was fun. It was brilliant. Yeah, that's great. Ben's one of a kind. I can't wait to hang out with him again. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't wait to see you guys again in February. It should be fantastic. Yeah. Of course, I mean, I guess the big thing is the places you got to go and the special permissions, the stuff Graham couldn't do when he went. Yes. Yeah, we got great special permissions, and we're going to get some of those again on the next trip. Can you sure. tease Especially a couple now. of those for us? That you, I know you don't have the whole itinerary worked out, but can you tease us a couple of the special permissions well, that will be available? Yeah, so there's a there's a list of possible special permissions. I think we're going to try to narrow it down to three. The ones I want to do, um, we're just going to have to see if this is totally feasible. I want the, the special permission for the Great Pyramid for sure. That's the one where you get two hours in the Great Pyramid after the Giza Plateau is closed, so it's at night. And you're the only people in there. So this and is you, when I leave early and climb. Open up all the, they open up all the all the chambers and all the, chambers. All the passageways. So you, Underground passageways? Yeah, so you can freely explore. Yeah, we went all the way down to the ex- subterranean chamber and all the way up in the can- every You could look at everything. Is it two hours is enough time to do that? Yes. Yeah. We did. We basically almost did everything twice. Yeah. We were super excited. So yeah, we, we were like, <laughs> pyramids? <laughs> yeah. Now, how does uh, that compare to your great pyramid experience, Graham? Um, I, I mean, I went up all the way into the King's chamber and, and, uh, got a couple minutes in there, maybe 10 minutes or something, I think, or like, it was just the normal flow, but it didn't feel too crowded or rushed or anything like that. But definitely, I don't think it went underground from, yeah, they, they normally have the queen's chamber closed and the subterranean chamber, you can't go down there. So this is all that will be open and you'll have two hours to explore it. And we'll be the only people in there except for the caretaker guy. And Kyle have his guitar. Nope, I don't think so. <laughs> no guitars allowed, or guitars banned no. in Egypt, like drones. Yeah, they don't. There's not allowed to play music. I mean, you can't even do a rock and roll dance. <laughs> you really? can't do a rock dance in the king's chamber without getting kicked out. Man, they just like no, no partying at all. No climbing. Was, no rocking. I was just like, like DMT you know, and a vape. 
It was just finally at the very yeah, end. Of, it was like right. We had ten minutes left, and I'm I'm in the king's chamber, and I'm just looking at it, and we're about to leave, and I'm just like, <laughs> I want to rock, yes, dude. And the guy just flipped out. Got yeah. Are got, you serious? Really? Kicked us out. He was like, no. You leave. <laughs> you leave. Really? Kyle was like doing some ceremonial dance. I started dance. doing like the reverse <laughs> freaking electric guitar. Like, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't screaming. It was perfectly silent. Yeah. Ben's got it on video. I did a little karate kick. And he still but tossed the you other out. Difference, I'm sure there wasn't a guard at the King's Chamber when I went. No, he was the ca- he's the caretaker. Like, he's trying to. He's the only other. You know, he was watching everybody and making sure we weren't doing something. But yeah, he was. Uh, so we'll get him a like hooker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So one of the other places I want I want to take the next tour. I want people to be able to go down into the Assyrian because normally you can only look at it from above. But we got the special special permission to be able to go down there and into it and really walk around and explore it. Um, so the other one that would be really awesome would be to go under the Step Pyramid. That's the other one I want. Yeah, the Step Pyramid that special permission. That's the other one where you get to explore like a miles of tunnel, a labyrinth of awesome. tunnels. Wow! Pyramid. Did, did you Marco. Guys do that this time? Yeah. And then the Serapium. The Serapium's not a special permission, so we're going to get to do that for sure. Um, I just want extra time in there. Yeah, with, like, everybody well paid. Yeah, Excellent. The other possible special permissions would be actually getting down between the paws of the Sphinx, uh, which might be fun, but it's not as interesting to me as these other sites. I agree. Uh, yeah. And then Abu Sir and Abu Garab are special special permissions, I guess. Um, so those have lots of interesting evidence of ancient technology there, but I can't put those above the Osirian or yeah. the Ben Pyramid. So <laughs> I, I've, we're we're working it out with Ben. We'll we'll have a final itinerary soon, and we'll be able to put it on the website. And I got people texting me already, making sure they're on the short list. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you guys go to contactatthecabin.com, we got a list going. Um, we don't know exactly how many are going yet. I mean, everyone on the list will get a group email when we do know, and it'll be, you know, the first people to pay that deposit. Uh, it won't be through us, of course. It'll be directly to the School of Comet, is my understanding. That's They're right. going to handle all of that, so I can't tell you what the deposit's going to be or anything like that. But there's going to be a hard number. And it's yeah. going to be the first, you know, whatever it is, 40, 50, 60, I don't know what the number is. We'll know what it is, and it'll be on the page, and we'll let you guys know in the email. Yep. But uh, just think about that, because when it, do, it does come out, it's going to be a first-come, first-serve. And I know I'm good at finagling people into the events, usually, or adding a room or adding a cabin, but we can't do that this time. It's going to be it. right. yeah. yeah. be a hard number, and it's going to be out of my hands uh, out of our hands on that level. So, uh, what, when do you think we can look forward to that? Do you think that'll be this year? Oh, for the itinerary before the end of the year. Uh, that's a question for Ben. Uh, we're working on it. We do have a meeting. We're, we're planning a meeting with, um, with the organizer and Ben. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we're waiting on that to be that date to be confirmed. And once we have that meeting, we'll know a lot more. And so that meeting like, should be soon. So, but that, that one will definitely happen before the end of the year and we'll know a lot more. And yeah, uh, shouldn't be too long before, if it's not before the end of the year, then it shouldn't be too long after it. So keep an eye. Like I say, there's about 70 people on there already. I'm sure not all of them, you know, everyone's, it's, it's always easy to sign up for a waiting list. 
Yeah. Um, once it right. comes time to do the deposit, I'm sure it won't be the case. And Ben says, yes, itinerary before the end of the year. Oh, good. Um, so that means cool. we should Thanks, be, ben. by Thanks, January, ben. we should have be taken deposit. So get your name on that waiting list. Uh, if you're having trouble figuring that out, just email me, DarrenEckerAmerica.com or email the Snake Bros or email yep, Graham, email, email anyone, and we'll get you sorted to the right spot. So Egypt, fantastic. I mean, uh, we won't keep you guys too much longer. I got to say, it's been an absolute honor uh, palling around the country and getting to know you guys. Likewise, man. A, a little bit Absolutely. better over the last couple of years. And I can't wait to go to Egypt with you guys next year. It's yes. going to yeah. be fucking great. <laughs> We're going to have a fantastic group of people like uh, Tony Roberts. You know, there's going to be so many people there that that have been to the other events already. It's going to be yes. a once in a fucking lifetime It's going to be once in a lifetime. Event. Um, so I did want to say, I guess I'll see you guys soon. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'll make it down to Texas, but we do have to meet in Soap Lake in January. At That's right. some point to meet with the resort staff there and figure that out. Um, and then there's, of course, Magic on the Mountain. Which Magic is, on the Mountain. Which has started the, just this last week to sell. I mean, this week and the week before, we've been, it's been selling out fast. Oh, good. I think we're down That's to right. about eight spots left now. We sold four spots on Monday. Now that Brandon and Owen and all those guys have started, uh, Joe have started promoting it harder on their end. We're getting people jumping in all over. So that's going to sell out. If you guys want to, maybe Egypt. <clears throat> I mean, the 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 main problem with the Egypt trip is it, it's a high price point. Uh, yeah. I'm going to tell you guys right now, it's going to be, you know, closing in on the $7,000 range. It's I'm high price plus airfare. It's, it's plus long. airfare. It's two weeks. And so it's two and a half weeks with the travel yeah. on either end. It's going to be closing in on 7,000 USD, but it's going to be a fantastic trip. It's five-star. You're getting all these special permissions. It's You can't go to Egypt and do this trip by yourself. I'm no. not worried about selling out the Egypt trip. The reason I'm saying that <laughs> is because maybe you're like, fuck, this sounds awesome. I want to go hang out with the Snake Bros. I want to go hang out with Ben. I want to go hang out with Grimerica, but I don't have seven grand. Well, that's the good news. You look at the Arizona event, you can get into that uh, for under a thousand bucks. You know, it's like, I think there's spots coming into that $600 range that includes everything. That's you, the Matheson one? Uh, there's the, that's the Arizona one with Brandon Powell, Owen Hunt, and okay. Joe Roop, the reality okay. trans yeah, yeah. surfing, yeah. life hacking, magic you know, on I the mountain. Arizona, I always think of the Utah one too. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. It's Utah is the Matheson trip. My bad. That's right. That one is uh, sold out. That one's sold out. That one's Dang. sold out, unfortunately. But there is eight, eight, eight or nine spots left for the Arizona one. It's going to be fantastic. You just got to get yourself to the airport in Phoenix. We'll pick you up there. We'll take you up the mountain. We'll feed you all weekend. We'll show you a fantastic time and we'll take you back to the airport. Uh, and I Excited to say Keith and Gage back on board for this one. <laughs> All right. Soap Lake, the, the, especially the last time around, the food at Soap Lake with the Randall Carlson tour was fantastic. It was much better the last time around. Yep. But nothing beats the Keith and Gage cooking experience. It's one of, right. a to, one of a kind. The coffee is always on with those guys. It's amazing. Um, and they always like have a little surprise for us. So I'm excited to see what that's going to be up in the snow-filled mountains of Arizona. We'll be doing the cold plunging with Brandon Powell himself. 
<laughs> and uh, doing all that life hacking. And of course, we're going to do a day trip. Don't don't forget the hermetic wisdom with Joe too. With Joe Roop, the, yeah, uh, we're magic and rituals. The reality trans surfing with uh, Owen Hunt, like yeah, be pretty cool. Not to mention uh, a ton of cool people coming along for the ride. Well, there's a couple actually uh, people I can't mention by name, but there's a few celebrity, uh, a few celebrity from our genre, a few celebrity guests coming to that one. No, oh, wow. That are got, coming to hang out and, and no, all that suspense. stuff with us. I'll text you. I'll let you know. Oh, okay, good. Uh, you can know. I'm on the inside, guys. You're on the inside. <laughs> lie to him. <laughs> yeah, I'll just say, yeah, it's... it's uh, lie to me. It's Joe Rogan. society, <laughs> <laughs> that brothers of the serpent. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, of course, we have the scab lines with Randall Carlson. I mean, I think the Montana event's almost sold out already, but uh, no. that's in June. There are some spots left for that. We got a people coming from the UK to both events this year. And then yeah. we got the Scablands next year's on sale now. And we got the Egypt waiting list. Of course, that's all the Randall Carlson stuff, which is amazing as well. Yep, that's right. So where can our listeners track your stuff down? Uh our website is brothersoftheserpent.com. Uh, that's where you can find all the podcast podcast related stuff. Uh, our podcast is mostly an audio show, so you can find it anywhere podcasts can be found through your favorite podcast app. Uh, but we're also on YouTube if you prefer to, you know, to listen that to way. Watch a logo, yeah, to watch <laughs> hours of logo and listen to us talk. <laughs> you can find us on YouTube and just look up Brothers of the Serpent. But yeah, any any web search for Brothers of the Serpent will find us in multiple ways. And we're also on Twitter and you know Instagram. So and you guys have a Patreon going now too, right? We do. Yeah, we have Patreon content. So every once in a while, when we have time and, and, and I have uh, enough beers and we have enough beers and some ideas, we'll we'll bang out a patreon episode which is you know special and it's even more informal than the regular show it's just for our supporters uh so that's been a lot of fun i've put up some you know some short me reading short fiction on there just for the hell of it so there's all kinds of interesting content on the patreon and we're making we're always making more so that's it well we encourage our listeners if they haven't already i mean a lot of our we have a lot of crossover already obviously yeah. with us doing the events together but anyone who hasn't encourage them to go check that out if they want to hear Russ uh, go off the rails a little bit, yeah, uh, head over to GrowAmericaOutlaw.ca and sign up for that plus subscription. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The plus episode of uh, of Contact at the Cabin gets a little spicy. What a fun event! I mean, I mean, it all turned out all right in the end. It did. Yeah. It was just it weird when everyone was getting COVID. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was very weird. Yeah, but I mean, still successful event. And uh, all the reviews are great. I got to find somewhere on the website to start putting the reviews. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Oh, but, the website revamp looks good. Thank you, sir. We actually got a hell of a team going. It's when people keep coming back to the event over and over again, though, it does start to look a little culty. Yeah. That's, that's, true. that's the only problem is I think like the Dave Matheson, Brandon Powell, Utah event. It's, are we not starting a cult? I thought that's what we were doing. Well, we're not like, are we? Graham's the leader. But listen to the name of the bloody podcast, <laughs> All right. Serpent. I, I mean, it's fun, like, guys. It's All the we secret is culty of the cult. I mean, <laughs> we do usually yeah. do like an 80% rebuy on an event. So, I mean, that's good. Maybe it is a cult. Yeah. The name, the name of the podcast is that's just the first filter. Yeah. Right. If that just keeps certain people away. Yep. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> or, or it attracts others. <laughs> That's right. Graham and I are good at keeping people just away all around. Come on. <laughs> it's the snake bros. I've had it with these motherfucking snakes. 
Well, hopefully you guys are good done traveling for a while now because I know you were like the road trip back home from from Washington and then a few yeah. days at home and then off to off, off to, to Egypt. Egypt. Yeah. Yep. Still still trying to catch up. Yep. Yeah. Uh, on the work front and all the other fronts, but it was uh it was all awesome. Well, next year I think it we was. get to see each other like a half a dozen times or something like that. Yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be yeah. wild. Yeah, it'll be fantastic. We'll spend well over a month together now, or at least a month together next year. A little over a month. All right. And then I'm going to hire. Uh, I'm going to hire Brandon to hire because I figure if we do a month of Scablands or three Scablands tours, it might be a bit much for both of you guys to commit to. Maybe. So I've yeah. got Ben. Sort of. We can hire Ben to drive one of the vans here and there. Ben. Uh, sorry, not Ben. Uh, Brandon. 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 History shift. I'm actually going to see him next weekend. Oh, good. So if you yeah, have, cool. yeah, I'm going to pay him a visit. Going on history shift, What's up, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go down and say hi to him now that they've opened up the southern border again, and I can. Uh, well, I've always been allowed, but everyone can. So I'm going to travel down with my girlfriend. Yeah, check cool. out some of that Montana freedom. Try it on for size for the weekend. <laughs> go out for, go out for dinner. <laughs> Are you doing? You scouting for the? No, nah, man, I'm just, I live in a uh, a dystopian nightmare of a country right now that won't let me uh, go okay. to restaurants and stuff Yeah, because I'm not, uh, I don't have papers. So I'm right. going to Montana where they don't agree with that kind of stuff. So I can go shoot okay. some guns and eat some food. <laughs> All right. That's always a good reason to go. <laughs> it's like close Texas. I'd like to come there, but it's a long drive and they won't let me yeah, on a plane. Okay, Montana's yeah. a close Texas. Okay, I get it. They That's won't good. let me on a plane that, right now either. So. Ah, uh, Okay. I'm telling you, we need a timeshare in, te- in Montana. Yeah. Yeah. We, we could meet up there that. for Christmas in the snow. Yep. All right. Well, I'm we won't keep you guys any longer. Uh, we know you're all behind from your all your globe trotting and having a good time. We encourage you guys to check out their podcast. And uh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. It's Thanks, always guys. good to see you again. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Good to see you all. Good night. All right, Thanks, lads. Man. Later on. And that was a chat with Snake Bros. What'd you guys think? What'd you think, buddy? I don't know, you guys. Yeah, it's good. You know my answer. So it's just yeah, so it's always good. It's always fun. Submit Graham generic response. Yeah, that's no, one of my I mean, favorites. Dude, one of my favorites. It really makes me. It really makes me think that <clears throat> this history is completely different than what we know. know. Yeah. When you hear two friends of yours that get to go and check out all that thing focused on the antediluvian stuff, I mean, people you fully trust, you know, it's like not yeah. not a YouTube channel. Not that I don't yeah. trust Ben and these guys. Yeah, no. I love Ben, but you know, I mean, and that's even we've got to know Ben o- over the years. But I mean, it's instead of being on the TV or on the thing, it's like, yeah, two of your buddies went there and they're like, holy fuck. Yeah, when it's focused on that, right? And then yeah. they see and they know so what they're areas. and they know what they're looking for. Yeah, and they see in so many areas this evidence of something that's way, way older than anybody recognizes uh, from the mainstream narrative. So, absolutely, and of course, Ben is one of a kind when it comes to what he's doing and what he's looking for. We couldn't, we could not be uh, even. We would not consider the Egypt tour without. Uh, him coming in and helping us out with that. That was the big thing that made it a possibility. Yeah. So big yeah. shout out to Ben on Chartered X. Go check out his channel. Check out his stuff. Uh, he's got some great YouTube uh, stuff on the Scablands tour we did with Randall Carlson earlier this year. So go check that out, guys. Um, I think that's about it. Anything else? No, that's it. All right, guys. 
Thanks for listening. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you.